This is Consequence, true stories about false things, presented by the James Randi Educational Foundation. I'm Brian Thompson. Today I'm talking to Richard, who, after being inundated with pop culture about extraterrestrial visitations, became convinced that he was in real danger of being abducted by aliens in the middle of the night, which, as you can probably imagine, can have some intense psychological effects. We also talk about the reasons why someone might want to believe in aliens, despite the fact that they are terrified those aliens are going to steal them from their beds. You know, I guess I first started to believe in aliens uh, pretty much in high school. Um, you know, I, I as 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 a classic high school nerd, I had gotten really into Star Trek, and I know that that's just like such a sad cliche, but it's true. And I think that the reason I started believing in aliens visiting planet Earth, anyway, is that I really I really wanted it to be true. I really wanted to live in that kind of future that Star Trek presented. I really wanted to. I really wanted it to be true. And I think like most um, most beliefs. In, in anything that's sort of supernatural or, or beliefs just in general that don't require evidence, it always starts with a wish. You always, it always starts with wishing that it's true. Mm-hmm. What, what appealed to you about that? Why were you so discontented with our human reality? <laughs> you know, so, I, through everything you hate about human beings. Sure, of course. I wouldn't say that I was discontented with our human reality, but there's something very, um, there's something, okay, let me back up just a second because belief in aliens almost absolutely requires that you believe in conspiracy theories involving the U.S. government, hiding secrets, things like that. Yeah, we'll believe that aliens are visiting us, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Believe that aliens are visiting us. Um, You have to believe in conspiracy theories in order for any of it to make sense. And believing in conspiracy theories of any sort, it really flatters the ego. You know, it makes you feel like you're smart. It makes you feel like you're smarter than the average person and <laughs> look at all those sheeple out there, you know, right. sp- eating their spoon-fed oatmeal from Obama, you know, or whatever. <laughs> that Obama and meal is pretty good. It, uh, you know, uh, Obama meal, that actually, that sounds like an off-brand for a cereal, like Malto <laughs> meal. <laughs> you're, thinking of, you're thinking of Urkelos. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, sorry. Um, but no, yeah, so, so believing in, in alien conspiracy theories in particular, it, it tweaked my... Um, you're smarter than everyone desire because I'm, Hey, I'm part of the conspiracy, you know, like know-it-alls like we know the secret. And also it, it gently stroked my star Trek fantasy, uh, erogenous zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, 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 it let me believe that, that, that the universe was far more interesting and complicated, um, than what I could see in my daily experience. Yeah, it's just cool to think that there are other civilizations out there and that we could get on a spaceship and go visit them. And I guess anybody who's slightly curious about the world, I don't see how that could not be appealing to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I would go so far as to say that probably there's not a person alive that do, that's working for NASA or whatever that doesn't hope that it's all completely true, That that doesn't hope that there are, you know, vastly superior civilizations out there the number in the millions right and if you look at actual science and the things that were actually being told by nasa and physicists and everybody else well i prefer to consult the bones but continue yes or from the bones uh it appears that 
the kind of space travel that you see in Star Trek either is impossible or is not plausible anytime in the next thousand years or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, at least not as far as we can, at least not as far as our scientists have been able to figure out. And But to be fair, we've only been looking into it for like 40 or 50 years. True. And, and we didn't even have computers for most of that time. So yeah, on a geological scale, that's like light Googling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we we lightly Googled on our phone while waiting in line at the bank to find out if there's faster than light travel. So I, I, I think we haven't really actually tapped into that just yet. What sort of stuff did you see or read or hear about outside of fiction uh, that was presented as fact that you started to believe about aliens visiting the Earth? Okay, so you're, I'm sure you're completely aware and your audience might be completely aware of a man named Richard Hoagland. Uh, um, yes. uh, he believes uh, that the there's, a, there's an iconic image of Mars for your younger listeners. They may not even know what I'm talking about, but there are some sand dunes and things like that and it kind of looks like a face. The, the photograph of the surface of Mars, there, there appears to be a man-made structure on the surface of Mars. Well, Mr. Richard Hoagland um, back eh, about 20 years ago, he was much more popular than he is today, I think. And he had put out a lot of books and he had, um, he was frequently, frequently wrote about his, his theories on uh, websites. And he was posing all these really interesting ideas about civilizations that maybe used to live on Mars. And for me, uh, as a young impressionable teenager, um, that kind of shows you how old I am, I guess. But as a young impressionable teenager, it, it started to sort of um, lubricate the wheels of imagination, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> and also, you know, I, th- this is a thing that um, I think that you, you and I have known each other forever and yeah. um, been friends forever. And I think that we sort of simultaneously consumed a lot of this stuff. I know what appealed to me about Richard C. Hoagland, who I think I discovered through the Art Bell program. Oh, um, gosh, Art Bell. I forgot about Art Bell. Yeah, Coast to I forgot, Coast. I forgot he even existed. <laughs> yeah, he certainly oh. existed. Yeah, he was the conduit for for a lot of my wacky beliefs. But Richard C. Hogan was a regular guest on his show. And there's this thing, this phenomenon that happened with Art Bell. And uh, uh, we've talked about this on a, a previous episode of Consequence uh, before. But when he would have guests on, say Richard C. Hoagland, who said that he discovered ruins on Mars, or uh, this guy named Al Bielik, who claimed to have been involved in the Philadelphia experiment and traveled through space and time, he would have these people on for two, three, four hours straight. And... Right. It's sort of like if you listen to somebody talk for that long and in that much detail, they become believable just because of how much they have to say about something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they speak with absolute sincerity. They don't sound like they're trying to pull one over on us. And, I, you know, honestly, I don't think they are. I think, I think they absolutely believe what they're saying. Yeah, Richard C. Hoagland came up with this whole there's a very complicated mythology Around the, I mean, he took a blurry image of Mars that looked like a face and came up with this whole system of history and government and right. an alternate set of physics. Right, and- uh, alternate dimensions. I think he, he eventually got into that. It was like a comic book storyline where it starts off Superman is just foiling bank robbers, and all of a sudden he's like, there's like multiple dimensions and and multiple planet Earths and uh, the X-Men crossover. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one, one of the zero issues before the yeah. infinite crisis. 
what, what if Richard C. Hoagland's next theory is that the X-Men crossed over <laughs> into his into his mythos and uh, they created the face? The face is actually Professor X. It could happen. Did you know that there actually is like a, a series of novels and or comic books that are crossovers between the X-Men and Star Trek The Next Generation? Yes. Yes, I did. I did know that. Yeah. Yes, I did. Richard, and I know, I know that because uh, not just the Next Generation, but also the original series. Because oh there's a, there's a really dumb moment where um, Hank McCoy uh, meets Leonard McCoy, <laughs> and and somebody says something like, um, "Well, that's the real McCoy." I assume they spoke oh with that. It was, it was in a book, so I don't know what accent they used. But <laughs> well, you know, I assume that's what it sounded like. Leonard McCoy was also called the Beast. Yeah, by the ladies. Yeah, uh, by Uhura. Well, let's bring it all back to... I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling. Let's bring it all back to uh, Aliens. So, Richard C. Hoagland stuff. What, anything else? Yeah, sure. You know, um, you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Brian Thompson, you actually introduced me to another, two, another two books that I actually really liked. And, uh, uh, you know, again, my only defense is that I was like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just stupid, I guess. But um, a book by Courtney Brown, who had he had he he was a proponent of this like um scientific method of of divination basically and yeah, um, Courtney Brown was a proponent of remote viewing which I guess a, a lot of people saw or maybe read um the movie or John Ronson's book The Men Who Stare at Goats which is about this government program to basically train psychics to work for intelligence services and a lot of people sort of spun out of that, were trained by people who were involved in that program instead of their own private versions of remote viewing schools. And Courtney Brown was one of those. I believe he's an economics professor at Emory University in Atlanta right now. You would think as an economics professor and a trained psychic, he could, I don't know, like exploit that to his fortune, right? You would think. He is living in Atlanta. Mm. So that's pretty good. Well, as a as like this, you know, trained psychic is what he sort of billed himself as. His book, and again, spoke with total sincerity, uh, you know, written that way anyway. Um, and he was also a frequent guest on Art Bell, if I remember correctly. He was. He was and actually t- banned. Yes, banned for for getting the Heaven's Gate cult all killed. <laughs> Pretty much. Remember that? Yes, he claimed yeah. to have remote viewed a spaceship following the Hale-Bopp comet. And uh, as you might recall, the the members of the Heaven's Gate cult all killed themselves so that their spirits would go up to a spaceship following the Hale-Bopp comet. He he specifically, uh, they, I'm sorry, they specifically said it was because they listened to Art Bell that they that they knew their spaceship had arrived and it was time to kill themselves. Yeah, there was a so bit Co- of a... Courtney Brown got like 14 people killed. Id- idiots, to be fair, but... Yeah, you know. and then it turned out that um, he had doctored or somehow gotten his hands on a doctored photo showing this spaceship behind the Hellbop Comet, and that's why he yeah. was on the radio program in the first place. That's why he was banned, was because they found out that the photo he used to back up his psychic claims was fake. Yeah, and let's let's go out of our way to say that maybe he, he probably did not realize it was fake, because if we sit here and say that he, he lied on purpose and killed a bunch, it got a bunch of people killed, it's like technically slander if it's not true. Yeah. So, yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Completely innocent. And he's a brilliant economics professor. Let's, <laughs> just, let's just leave it as that. That's why but, I say, yeah, he either doctored it or got his hands on a doctored photo right. somehow. Right. Well, anyway, so his book, he used his psychic abilities allegedly to uh, see all these aliens living around us constantly. 
and you know they're all over the place and he was he he learned about their society and things like that and that's what's in the book and that book also you know it, it greatly influenced me the other book that you lent me was called cosmic trigger by robert anton wilson mm-hmm. and it's just sort of it's a little bit more loopy than courtney brown's book is a little less um a little less um i don't know believable i guess but in it he talks about sort of expanding the mind and just things like that and and he he goes over this like long uh he he goes into the into great detail about this sort of world hidden from view amongst our regular world and again that sort of that sort of idea really appealed to me so you see i had all these i had all these books and all these sources that all seemed to kind of confirm each other and and it, it that's how you build up a delusion <laughs> is you have right. all these uh sources that are re- that are uh, referencing each other and um what do you call it um proving each other right yeah, plus at the time, I don't know how much of an influence all of this had, but the sort of pop culture milieu going on uh, in the early 90s, throughout the 90s and maybe the late 80s and the early 2000s as well, was um, that things like Roswell were sort of taken as a given. Right, right. I remember a, a special episode of Ally McBeal where uh, <laughs> where they go to Roswell, New Mexico, and it turns out Callista Flockhart was one of the aliens. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was that popular. In, in a cheap wig. Yeah, the aliens looked like dancing babies. I gotta say, that was kind of a weird last episode. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, it was basically just the last episode of ALF, but with ALF switched for Ally <laughs> McBeal. Well, they used the modern uh, CG effects to switch out Ally McBeal. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, none of that actually happened. But things like the, X, the X-Files was like the most popular show on television. Right. And the X-Files pulled a lot of its mythology from these famous conspiracy books and, uh, and these other like these people that were on the Art Bell program. Uh, people like uh, uh, Milton William Cooper, who wrote this uh, very famous conspiracy book called uh, Behold a Pale Horse which part of that uh, supposedly contains photocopies of government documents for the secret society that they established to deal with alien affairs after first contact with aliens after Roswell. Yeah, all this stuff was going on at the time. So I think uh, someone at that impressionable age could be forgiven for buying into it. Plus, I think that you and I have had this discussion before, but the alien theory of government involvement, government knowledge of aliens and covering them up is maybe the most plausible of conspiracy theories. Why do you say that? Because it's at least based in some sort of scientific fact. There are probably alien civilizations out there. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Like, like, in other words, it begins with a premise that, that scientists do accept that right. life probably evolved everywhere else in the galaxy, too. Yeah, it's not supernatural. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's it that that cannot. So how did how did this belief though start to affect your life? Okay. So there there's a dark side <laughs> to believing in aliens, and that is that almost all of the literature surrounding um, aliens visiting Earth is is coupled with horrifying nightmare scenarios of being abducted, probed, experimented on. And having your memory erased, and then you're put back in your bed as if nothing happened. Except now your clothes are on backwards, and you've got Astro Glide all over your face. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so when, whenever you start to believe in aliens, whenever you start to believe these books, you kind of 
you know, part part of part of what makes it convincing are all these hundreds of people who claim to have had these horrifying experiences of being abducted. And when you start to believe in the aliens, you start to believe in the abductions, and then you start to get uh, uh, fucking scared. At least I did. You know, I I, I would lay awake at night, um, every little creak and crack. You know, I'm thinking oh, it's the aliens. You know, <laughs> but unlike uh, the lovable Alf, who's only there to you know um, eat the cat or whatever, <laughs> whatever, how, whatever the kids are calling it these days. Um, you know, th- these would be scary aliens uh, who would be. Um, I don't know, molesting me in some way. Um, usually through the anus. Usually. That seems yeah. to be their favorite place, their favorite yeah. point of entry. Yes. But yeah, this became so such a widespread and such a well-known idea that there are even... Like, remember in the movie Independence Day, Randy Quaid's character talks about how he was anally probed by aliens and it's like a throwaway laugh line. It's like a, right. it's like a, oh, the whole family chuckles along right. at this idea. But for someone who believes that that's a possibility, it's absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, your, your listeners may recall the early days of The Daily Show when it was hosted by Craig Kilborn. Uh, before it got political, mostly they interviewed crazy people who claimed to be abducted by aliens. Like there were like numerous episodes about it. And every last one of them would talk about having uh, anal probes and having like alien babies put in their rectums. And then they had to, to birth them. Uh, birth them through nature's uh, whatever garbage disposal. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a of a colorful way of describing the anus. Mm. So yeah, it, it's it's it's. But you know, more more than just being anally uh, violated by extraterrestrials, I think what I feared the most is just this this paralyzing. Uh, what I mean for me, I would consider it like a nightmare of being held because like part part of the story is that you're motionless, that you cannot move, mm-hmm. and you know just having uh, having beings take control of you and hurt you, uh, it it seems pretty horrifying. And then having your memory erased so you don't remember the next night that it actually happened. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. That's see, but that's the thing that that always sort of struck me as odd about this fear because I definitely had the fear too. But part of the mythology is that you get mind wiped. You don't ever know that it happened. So it's kind of seems like you shouldn't be scared of that because you wouldn't even realize that it ever happened to you. Ah, but you're fully conscious of it while it's happening. Right. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Plus, going back to this idea of just people speaking in detail about something is by its very nature believable to a certain extent. There are thousands of people it seems who have these stories about how they were abducted by aliens and if you don't know any better you haven't read a lot about the psychology of these people and you know how many people there actually are as opposed to how many you perceive there being it stands to reason that if so many people are having the same experience maybe there's something to that right right and you 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 kind of suspend what I think uh, is a natural skepticism when it comes to every other part of life, you suspend your skepticism that they're just making it up. And I think that's true anytime that you encounter um, testimony that complements your already existing belief system. Right. You know, I-, I want to believe in alien abductions. Therefore, somebody claiming to have witnessed one or experienced one um, 
I, you know, I, I just I just push aside the little voice in the back of my head saying this person is just it's just making it up because they're just crazy or they're lying or or whatever. And, you know, it's funny because people don't people people don't do that to any other part of their lives. You know, if somebody claims, um, I don't know, they're innocent of a crime or something, you know, you immediately have a skepticism. Uh-huh, yeah, I bet you're guilty. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and that, that's true of everything except when it complements your beliefs. I think that maybe there's an aspect to it, too, of people telling a story about themselves getting hurt somehow. It sort of seems callous to say, oh, you're just making this up. Oh, you just want attention. When they're in tears and they're telling you about something that, that was horrifying to them, you kind yeah, of yeah, have to give them the benefit of the doubt or you seem like a real jerk and you feel like a real jerk. Um, but you, you touched on sort of an interesting idea too, which is that, yeah, you want to believe that all of this stuff is true, but the reality of it, if it is true, is simultaneously terrifying. So you're in this weird state of wanting to believe something that is hurting you psychologically. Right, right, exactly. It's very, uh, it's very peculiar. Yeah, so how did that, um, specifically in your life, I know you say that you would lie awake and just be terrified of, of aliens. What was the extent of, of this terror? How did it um, affect your, your sort of day-to-day activity? Honestly, uh, it, it, like looking back on it, it seems so childish, but it, it really was like throughout my, throughout just walking around the day, I was Joe Normal. Yeah, that, that was my porn name. Uh, and when I walked around the set of the porn set, you know, um, hey, here comes Joe Normal ready for the DP, right. you know, uh, but at night, um, <laughs> At night, like like it, it, it seems so crazy, but for some reason, during my waking day, my waking hours, totally fine, totally normal, healthy skepticism, you know, no problem. But for some reason, at night, when I was truly alone and it was dark, um, I I would literally get no sleep. I like I would keep waking up like every like five minutes to like <laughs> to like look and be like ah, is there an alien? Ah, okay, okay, there's not. And I, then I then I let myself kind of go back to sleep. Now, and, did this uh, did this continue even after you stopped actively believing in this sort of stuff? You know, I think it actually ended before that happened. Um, oh, okay. it, it was like a phase that I went through. Um, I'd say for about a year at least, um, where I, I just got like no sleep at all because I would I I had I was so convinced that it was true that it was real and. I think about that whenever whenever I uh, meet people who now as as you may not realize, Brian, I am not what you would consider religious. Hmm. Um, so whenever so, well, I, hold on, I'm confused. Okay. So what church do you go to? Um, I go to churches. Uh, <laughs> they have a special on Tuesdays on their ripping chicken. Mm. Let's they, hope that are, the people listening to this, are they one of your sponsors? <laughs> yeah, they are. Church's chicken. Gotta love them. <laughs> right is that is that no. churches <laughs> no one no one can remember their uh their slogan the popeyes <laughs> i don't I think, know i think popeyes has the rip and chicken too what does churches have nothing not really good biscuits growing debt no you're thinking of uh oh no popeyes. i'm thinking of popeyes yeah what does churches have? everybody would rather be thinking of popeyes well, let's talk about popeyes <laughs> i'm dude i'm hungry <laughs> i want to have my cake and eat it too all right <laughs> jump jump anyway so what was I? Oh yeah. So when when I when I uh, when I meet people that are religious, that talk about um, being absolutely terrified of things like the rapture, 
or of God's judgment or of the devil. I really feel a lot of sympathy because I really, because I never actually feared any of that stuff. Uh, cause I was raised religious, like most American kids, I guess, but I never feared that kind of stuff, but I absolutely feared those goddamn aliens. And, and I, I feel like I, I can understand people now, uh, yeah. that talk about being terrified of the rapture. Yeah. I, 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 at one point in my life or another had both of those fears and they're very, very, very similar. I, my grandmother taught me that, uh, when Christ returns to usher in the end of days and rule over the earth for, with an iron fist. Um, so he's like Sauron? Uh-huh. For a thousand years of darkness. Uh, <laughs> that that you would hear these trumpet horns, like a fanfare of angels announcing that Christ was was wheeling it's, by on his cloud. It sounds like those uh, those cars that have the cucaracha play whenever uh-huh. the horn honks. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Christ, Christ is known to enjoy a lowrider. Um, he has a L.A. Dodgers tattoo on his <laughs> he forearm. Has a neck tattoo is what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so I would I would think that I heard those trumpets like all the time, mm. uh, and it was a very similar thing to when I would lie awake in bed and and maybe a car would drive by my window and a light would shine in. I would think, oh, this is it, time for the abduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, well, so, so, so for you, uh, I, I, mean, I don't mean to skip ahead, but for you, what, what stopped your fear of alien abduction? Like what got you out of it? I think it was a gradual process that started with realizing that no matter how scared of it I was, I couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. So like, why be scared of it? You know, uh, the idea that there are things at work that you have absolutely no control over terrifying things that you can't stop. That's like the foundation of the horror of the Cthulhu series. <laughs> it is because the elder gods are all powerful and humans are just insects. And you know, no, I find it very comforting. Whenever I, <laughs> whenever I look right into the eye of Yog Shatoth, it just makes me feel like a warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. 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 For me, um, I don't know. You know, it was kind of gradual for me too, but it wasn't because I realized that I had no control over it. It was more like, um, it was more like as I just kind of got older, I guess, you know, I don't want to just, I don't want to be flippant about it. And I don't want to just uh, minimize it and say, well, I just, I just matured. I just grew up, you know, yeah. <laughs> the big house will do that to you. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I did. I just kind of grew up and, and as I got older and I guess I, experienced more of real life the idea of this like um almost magical you know reality going on outside of my what i can normally perceive it just seemed more and more distant i guess i know it can sound kind of maybe snobby for lack of a better word to Uh think of getting out of these kind of beliefs as a kind of maturity but i think it's accurate if you if you define maturity as adapting to new information you know, yeah, you get yeah. you get new information, you change your behaviors and your beliefs based on new information. That's kind of what maturity is all about. Um, to to just be presented with more information that disproves or conflicts with the things that you used to believe that maybe may maybe were false. That mm-hmm. is a kind of maturity, even though there are some people who never break out of it. I mean, there are there are people who are elderly who act like children 
you know, when it comes yeah. to emotional things, you know, being yeah. in, in the biz, we call them adult babies <laughs> and, and people pay a premium. That's a different to, thing to watch, that's to watch a, them, you know, totally different thing. That's a, that's, <laughs> don't Google it. Um, yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I will say though, as far as, as far as like religion and belief in aliens, that I think both of them went away at about the same time for me that you know, in those days, though I wasn't religious, I, d- I did still sort of believe vaguely in the idea of God. And, you know, I didn't, hey, he wasn't a white, an old guy with a white beard, but, you know, he was something. Sure. And and as I, as that belief sort of slipped further and further away from me, it was kind of at the same time as my belief in in alien abductions kind of started to slip further and further away as well. Yeah, I think that there are these uh, these foundational beliefs like, like uh, like I said, Roswell is something that people would take as a given. Wouldn't necessarily believe in alien abductions. Wouldn't necessarily believe that the government is currently covering up contact with aliens or that there are hidden underground bases where we're working with aliens to adapt their technology. But might still believe that some weird spaceship crashed in the desert in the 40s and the government sort of hushed it up. Right. Um, I think that that, that belief that you know, maybe God isn't personally sticking his nose in everybody's business, but there's some sort of higher power or higher intelligence responsible for making something as opposed to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that 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 seems like those foundational beliefs are the last ones to go. And I think that there's this idea in people's minds that, that those are comforting somehow. And it's a, you kind of have to take a step and realize that... Um, that not having those beliefs isn't necessarily a discomfort. Sometimes that can be a comfort, and sometimes it can yeah, be nothing. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd say it's actually, I'd say it's more comforting to me. I mean, I, okay, I don't mean to go off topic, <laughs> but as far as far as religion and, and atheism, um, not believing in anything, I wouldn't exactly say is comforting because I don't want to die, and I don't want to just, I don't want all of my experiences and and all of my you know uh, my consciousness to just bleep go away when i die um so so it, so the idea of an afterlife it is comforting of course you know but what's what's uncomfortable to me is the idea that the only reason we exist is at the whim of some other being and, and you know what i mean and and, and at, at his uh at his decision to make us that to me that gives no meaning to my life at all if if i don't exist outside of his boredom mm. What do you think is the most plausible of the things that you used to believe about aliens and government conspiracies about aliens that you don't believe anymore? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, I, I think that it's pretty plausible that if aliens were visiting Earth and the government had it in their power to keep it a secret, that they would. <laughs> so I, I, all of it does kind of make sense that, you know, if... I mean, I mean, you look at some of the scandals that the government has tried to keep secret. Um, Iran Contra, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Colonel's secret recipe. <laughs> right. I mean, he was a Colonel. He right. He was a Colonel in the army. He was. That's, that's the government. Yeah. So, uh, so some of our best uh, best soldiers have fought and died to protect that secret. Exactly. Many Bothans died <laughs> protecting the secret recipe. So it does actually kind of make sense to me that if there were if the government had it in their power to keep it a secret that they absolutely would try to. Right. Um, because, because so, why, why, why do you think that? I think it would, I think that it would cause 
uh, panic on such a scale that it would lead to all sorts of um, kind of a Mad Max situation. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to overstate it, but you know, the idea that there's other, not just, not just like uh, bacteria living on a rock or something, but that there are intelligent beings able to communicate that kind of look humanoid. The idea that they, that they exist and they can come to earth and do, do whatever they want, I think would be so horrifying to people. And I, it would crash economies all over the world. Um, religious uh, secularism, you know, would upheaval. Bombs would be going off. Um, I, I honestly, truly believe that we would see that if if it's not introduced to us gradually. Um, yeah, I think that's the that's the basis of the belief that people have. When people believe the government is keeping it secret, it, it is to protect the public from some sort of widespread panic. But. Right. Um, you know, you, know then, what, you know what my mother always told me before tucking me in at bed at night? <laughs> What's that? That if there was a killer asteroid hurtling towards Earth that was about to kill us all, there's no way they'd tell us about it. <laughs> Good night, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, seriously. I heard that from her like 10 times. Do you subscribe to this idea that you can anticipate what an advanced alien civilization is going to do to us by looking at our own history and what more advanced societies have done to other human societies throughout time? Yeah, you know, not really. Um, I, I do believe that, that any alien culture that exists, that's biological in nature, that's not technological, you know, that's, we're not talking about the Borg or V'ger or something or, you know, other Star Trek references. Mm-hmm. Anything that's biological will be driven by biological needs. So I, I do think that we can anticipate uh, what biological aliens might desire uh, just from that. So they would desire very basic things like shelter, um, food, you know, things like that. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't know. I think it's, it's, I think it's pretty hard to say. You know, um, you, you look at like you and I, we're fairly advanced guys right living in the 21st century in the first world sure Um, wearing wearing silver jumpsuits yes we both wear silver jumpsuits and our haircut is exactly the same Mm -hmm. Um, and we refer to each other by number well if we went back in time you know and encountered cavemen and uh we had our 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 our, uh, iphones you know and our walkmans and our dvd box set of ally mcbeal the cavemen would have absolutely no comprehension of what it is we are we are doing, what it is we're trying to do. And I kind of think that that's and we're just talking a few thousand years. What yeah. if a culture separates ours by millions of years? And I think that I think that's probably a much more likely scenario is that we'd be separated by millions of years of technology. So what, you know, what on earth their motivations would be um I think it's pretty tough to predict. I, I think that that it's really just wishful thinking, what, whatever people might come up with. Yeah, and I also like to think that that we've matured as a civilization. I, it seems inconceivable to me that NASA would send out their first interstellar spaceship and we would find our first civilization on another planet and they would be like cavemen type people just shooting each other with spears and... Uh, and not being able to read or write, and we would just go and kill them all and take all of their resources. <laughs> like I, I just don't see that happening at this point in our culture. Right. right. Giving them smallpox-infested blankets. Now, I do think we would absolutely study them. 
I think we would absolutely put things in orbit and and watch them and maybe even, you know, land things on the planet. Oh, we would almost certainly abduct them and probe them. (laughs) That's what I'm building up to. I I was just trying to ease you into it. But I am getting some alien caveman booty, all right? That is my number one reason for working on these faster-than-light engines. That's all the time we have for Consequence. Big, big thanks to Richard for opening up about all this. Consequence is a production of the James Randi Educational Foundation. If you want to come on the show to talk about your experiences with pseudoscience, superstition, or the paranormal, just email consequence at randy.org. That's consequence at R-A-N-D-I dot O-R-G. Consequence is produced by me, Brian Thompson, and our theme music is by Planet Shifter. Thanks for listening.